Good evening, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me tonight live on, on Facebook. And we are in our third Parsha, a Torah portion in the book of Genesis. So tonight, the title of tonight's teaching is, And He Appeared. But before we get started, let's open up with a word of prayer. And we're going to start with, with, a, um, with a Torah prayer. And it reads, Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe who sanctified us, who sanctifies us with thy commandments and commands us to be engrossed in the words of Torah. Baruch ata Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam, asher kideshanu bemitzvotav betzivanu la'asok bedivrei Torah. Heavenly Father, tonight I just invite you to take over this service and I pray that the name of Jesus will be magnified above all of the names, Lord God. And Father God, we just offer up this Torah shir, this Torah service, Lord God, for every person that's watching tonight, Father God. Father God, I just pray, I pray for breakthroughs in the lives of your people, Lord God. Lord, I pray for financial breakthroughs. I pray for healings. I pray for deliverances. And Lord, I pray that the power of God will be made so manifest and that the glory of God will be re revealed in every home, Father God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And we also pray, Father God, that there'll be an appearing of Jesus to all your people tonight, Lord God, that all that desire to have a deeper walk with you, that you will speak to them and reveal yourself to them in the most supernatural and the most awesome way. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, good evening, saints. I'm so glad you joined me tonight. It's just such an honor to have you here tonight. I'm just, I'm just so honored to, to learn God's holy word with you. And as we learn God's word together, because I'm a student as well as you are, when we learn God's word, we're not just studying, we're not just memorizing, we're not just learning concepts, but what's taking place in addition is that the Holy Spirit is, is bringing transformation. The Lord is bringing forth healing because before any healing takes place, God's word will go forth and God's word is going forth right now. So even as the prophetic word is being released into the atmosphere, that there are breakthroughs taking place in the lives of God's people. And I'm, I'm telling you, we are living, we are living in, in really incredible times. These are exciting times. These are days in which we are going to see the move of the Spirit of God like we've never seen before. Um, tomorrow in America is Election Day. And I'm telling you, the, 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 I mean, it, even our nation is in, in the balances. I'm telling you, there, it, it, this is a time that the, the intercessors must be on the wall and praying like never before. Because I'm telling you. God's saints are responsible and accountable for the outcome because we must all pray and we must pray that God's will will, will be done and that there'll be such a move in, in this country over these next four years. Amen. So I'm really excited. I'm excited, excited about what God wants to do with each and every one of you. And I'm expecting that each of you is going to experience an appearing of God in your own life. So tonight's teaching is entitled and he appeared. Tonight is Monday, November 2nd, 5 p.m. And are you ready for God to appear to you? You know, God, God wants to reveal himself to you in such a mighty way. And God wants to give you personal prophetic experiences with him. See, experiences and encounters with God are not limited to just a few. God wants to reveal himself to everybody. Doesn't God desire that all of his servants be prophets? But there are very few that choose to heed the call of God in their lives. This week's Parsha is called Parsha Bayera, the Torah portion of Bayera. Bayera means, and he appeared. It's taken from 
Genesis chapter 18, verse 1, all the way through Genesis 22, verse 24. And again, Vayera means, and he appeared. And it's taken from Genesis 18, 1. And it reads, now the Lord appeared to him in the plains of memory. And he was sitting at the entrance of the tent when the day was hot. Now, this verse describes a heavenly visitation that Abraham received. And God revealed himself to him by the oaks of Mamre. He sat in the tent door in the heat of the day during one of the most, during one of the most physically painful days of his life. Now, the time that God appeared to him was not a very comfortable time for Abraham. This was the third day since Abraham had circumcised himself. And it was, it was the most painful day of circumcision. And even during this painful, excruciating moment, he still had his tent door open so he could look for people to show hospitality to. And, it, and you know, he should have been resting. He should have been sleeping. He should have been away from it, 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 any um, visitations. But you know what? He, he, he was so in love with God and he so wanted to do God's will. And he, he so wanted to show hospitality and show kindness to others that even during this time of excruciating, excruciating pain he was looking for he was looking for opportunities to show god's love to show god's kindness to others amen and now this this, this entire torah portion this entire parsha the entire theme is by era the name is by era and the, the the name of the portion tells us the theme and the entire theme of this torah portion is god is god appearing and we see several appearings of god throughout this torah portion and God wants to reveal himself to you. God wants to appear to you. God wants to make his will known, known to you. God wants to so manifest himself into your life, into, into the lives of your children, into the lives of your grandchildren. So I encourage each and every one of you to expect the move of God in your life. Amen. Because I want you to know that God loves you. And God has great plans in store for you. God has exciting plans for you. And tonight, we're even going to talk about the secret of Sarah's laughter and why she laughed when she received the prophetic word. Because I'm telling you, the plans that God has for you are so lofty, they're so magnificent, that you, that you may just laugh because you're going to be blown away by the thoughts and the plans and, that God has for each and every one of you. So tonight, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you will just reveal your will, that you'll make, that you'll reveal yourself to your people tonight, that they will have encounters with you that they have never, ever expected. For some of you, you are going to experience and feel God's presence for the very first time in your life. And, and, and I'm telling you, God is going to so bless you with his presence. Some of you are going to have dreams and night visions, and God's going to reveal himself to you in, in, in the nighttime, and you're going to be so shocked to see that God, you're going to learn that God really does speak to man. God really does speak to, to, to women. God really speaks to his people. So I'm telling you, I want all of you to experience the tangible presence of God. And not only in concept, not in theory, uh, not by the testimony of others only, but I want each and every one of you to experience his holy presence. And, and I, at some point, I will tell you about some of my personal experiences, but tonight, my prayer is that God's going to speak to you. And that as we go through this Torah portion tonight, that God is going to appear to you. So you've taken the first step. You've actually come tonight to hear God's word. And I, I just pray that you are going to experience 
what God is doing here in the house. Amen. So let's get started. And he appeared. Again, that's Parsha by era, meaning and he appeared. Tonight, I want to speak to you about divine revelation. In Parsha, in Parsha Bayera, and he appeared, that this title of the Parsha, this Torah portion, is taken from Genesis 18 all the way through 22. And, and in verse 1, Abraham receives divine revelation. And God appeared to him in his tent, in, the, in his tent door, in the heat of the day. So during the time of, of his most excruciating pain, God appears to him. And sometimes when you're going through the fiery test of life, when you're going through suffering, when you're going through rejection, when you're going through uh, painful experiences, God will reveal himself to you that during those painful times. In fact, God revealed himself to Daniel and his, and his friends in, in the midst of the fire, because in the midst of the fire uh, is, is where God appears. And God is with you right in the midst of the fire. God is with you right in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic. God is here with you. And God is more real than your circumstances. God is more real than any virus. And God is here protecting you. He's protecting you from harm. He's protecting you from pestilence. He's protecting you from disease. And if any pestilence even comes near you, God, God's going to bring healing. Amen. And so tonight, I want to speak to you about how do you receive divine revelation? How do you experience God appearing to you? And the biblical concept of divine revelation or prophecy is different than the way the world perceives prophecy. See, some people think you have to be caught up into, into some ecstasy or enter into some trance before you can experience the voice of God, before you can experience prophecy. But tonight, I want to share with you that in most cases in scripture, the opposite is true because God uses people in whatever, in whatever state they're in. Whether they're awake, whether they're asleep, God will use them and, and God will speak to them and reveal himself to them. And so our lives are to be infused with, with godliness. And, and God wants to draw holiness into everything. Amen. God may speak to you in revelation as you open the Holy Scriptures. God may speak to you as you're listening to a prophetic teaching like this one. I mean, God can speak to you at any time. And I'm telling you, God, you could be walking in a grocery store and, and, and God will give you a word for somebody else. Or God may speak to you. God may even reveal a sermon to you at the most unexpected time. You know, and, and I want all of you just to be open to that, to allow God to speak to you. You don't have to be in a place where you're sitting in a certain position in a, in, in a church pew or sitting in a, in a certain manner. Because God, God will speak to you in, in times that you don't expect it. And, and, I, and I just want you to allow the Holy Spirit to infuse, infuse every part of your life. And I encourage all of you to dedicate everything that you do to God. Dedicate everything to him. And allow the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to you. Because the Holy Spirit will even speak to you in your imagination, in your thoughts. And, and especially in, when you're super sensitive, the Spirit of God may speak to you. And so I encourage you tonight just to be open to visions, to be open to prophetic dreams, to be open to prophetic thoughts, to be open to what God wants to reveal to you. You know, many of us are so used to receiving God in low definition, but now God wants us to expand our vision and be able to receive him in 4K or 8K definition. God wants to reveal himself to us 
in the most incredible ways. And the way that happens, the way you sensitize, the way you sensitize yourself to receiving divine revelation is by being in his word, by receiving his word, because the Holy Spirit needs something to act on. He's not going to speak to you unless you're in his word. And even as you're hearing and receiving his word tonight, and as I'm reading the scriptures to you, and as you're reading them yourselves, it, you open yourselves up, up, up to the prophetic dimension, to the dimension where the spirit of God can speak to you and reveal himself to you. Because the more of the word that you have in you, the more the spirit of God has to use in you and to reveal himself to you. You know, it wasn't until I started studying the depths of God's word through, uh, through um, grace-based Torah, through, through Torah study, that, I, that my dreams became so prophetic, that even the teachings were so filled with revelation because, because the spirit of God was moving through, through the word that he, was, that he was teaching me. And I want you to allow the spirit of God just to fill all your senses, allow him to use all five of your physical senses, allow him to have your thoughts, allow him to have all of you because he will speak to, to you he will reveal himself to you and even when he speaks to you he'll confirm the word that he gives you through scripture because the, the the anchor you must anchor every prophetic experience you receive with god's word amen because because we're not lone prophets and everything that we receive from heaven must be confirmed through through the bible through through god's holy word amen so after every prophetic experience I asked the Holy Spirit to confirm it to me through his word because I want to know for sure without a doubt that what I heard is from God himself. Because sometimes dreams that we receive are not from God. Sometimes dreams are just garbage or just junk and there's nothing in those dreams that have anything prophetic. And sometimes there are parts of the parts of dreams that are prophetic and God is speaking and we need, we need the Holy Spirit to help us, to help us to give us discernment, to give us revelation, to speak to us and, and help us to rightly divide our dreams and know what parts are from God and then to correctly interpret those dreams. Amen. I'm telling you, God wants, God is going to reveal himself in the most incredible ways in your life. I may not even get through 5% of the teaching tonight, but that's completely fine. All Because my desire is that you are going to experience the Holy Spirit, that you are going to experience divine revelation. And when God speaks to you, God is not going to speak to you in a trance, even though that could happen, but it's very unlikely. God will often speak to you when you have complete clarity of mind. In Genesis 15, 1, it says, And after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. Amen. I encourage you to prophesy that and pray that over yourself that God is, and say, and say to the Lord, and God is saying that to each and every one of you tonight, that he is your shield, and he is your exceeding great reward, because there is no greater reward in life than God himself. There is no greater reward that, than knowing that your sins are forgiven. There's no greater reward than receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. There's no greater reward than knowing that, that your sins are washed away by the blood of Jesus. Amen. And most, you know, Abraham received prophecy. He received divine revelation with complete clarity of mind. Moses received prophecy with complete clarity of mind. Let's look at Numbers chapter 12, verse 6. And he said, hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, if there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. 
Job describes prophecy in a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men in slumbering upon the bed, Job 33, 15. Daniel describes prophecy and he says, and I saw it in a vision and it came to pass when I saw that I was at Shushan in the palace, which is in the province of Elam, and I saw in a vision and I was by the river Ulai. And you see, I mean, Daniel is completely alert. He's completely aware of his surroundings. And, and, he, and, he, and, he's, and, he's, and he's speaking about, what, about the vision that, that he's seen. He, he wasn't caught up in a trance. He was completely aware of what was taking place. Now, the one unusual one is, is what, how Peter describes prophecy and how he received revelation. And if you turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 10, verses 9 through 11, on the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry. See, he was awake. He was alert. He was not in a trance at this point. And he was hungry and he would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descended unto it. So he's seen this white sheet coming down from heaven. But you, you see how God was using his physical senses. God even used his hunger to, 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 to reveal himself to him. And God will use your physical senses. God will use what you're experiencing at that moment. God will use that pain that you're going through. God may use that rejection that you may have you're going through. Whatever pain you're going through, God can use that pain for his glory. Amen. And even at times where the spirit of God is calling upon you to pray for somebody, to intercede for somebody, the Holy Spirit may remind you of a pain that you experience when you have a certain difficulty in your life. And God will use that pain to senses to sensitize you to the suffering and the hurt of somebody else so that you can pray for somebody else with feeling, that you can pray for somebody else and, and really become a burden bearer and bear that person's pain and pray that other person through their difficulties, amen? Because God has not called us to be robots. When God calls us to pray or intercede for somebody, God wants us to really enter into that experience, to enter into that pain. For example, maybe somebody experienced the loss of a loved one. It may be a parent. You, you know, we're not called to be robots and not feel that person's pain because we are to rejoice with those that rejoice and mourn with those that mourn. But the spirit of God, will, will, it, who's our perfect prayer partner, who's our perfect helper, will sensitize us to the pain of others and that so that we can more effectively, we can be more effective in our ministries when we, when we can connect with the burdens of others. Amen? If you're with me, please type amen on the screen here. Now let's look at what happens in verse two. We're back to Genesis chapter 18, verse, we read one verse one, now let's look at verse two. And it reads, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna subtitle this section, Abraham entertains three mystery guests. And it reads here in verse two, and he lift up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him, and when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. See what Abraham, in, in the third day of his circumcision, he's in agonizing, he's in agony, he's in tremendous pain. But even in, during that suffering, he's looking for passerbys to, to, to show God's hospitality to others. And that is why Abraham is called the patriarch of Hesed. 
Hesed translates into English as loving kindness. A more accurate definition would be selfless loving kindness. That means you demonstrate and you show loving kindness in the most difficult time when it's not convenient at all. And when, Abra when God saw Abraham yearning to reach out, to be of service to others, he sent angels in the disguise of nomads. Isn't that awesome? And in Hebrews chapter 13, it says, let brotherly love continue. Be not, for, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. You see how it's just, the writer of Hebrews describes, he, he begin, he, before he talks about angels, he talks about brotherly love. And when we show hesed, when we demonstrate brotherly love for one another, when we take care of strangers and, 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 we, and we entertain strangers, it, by doing so, we, we may have an opportunity to entertain angels unaware, meaning that we're, during the, that experience, we may not even know that we're entertaining angels. I want you all to know that God is speaking and God wants to reveal himself to you and God will send angels because it's angels are ministering spirits of fire who are sent to those that are to inherit salvation. My prayer tonight is that God is releasing his angels even over the ballots and the voting of, of, of in our presidential election tomorrow and even in the counting of the ballots that everything's going to be done in divine order and that God's will will God's will to be done upon the earth and to be done here in the United States. And I pray this, that God will do this in every nation upon the earth, that we'll have righteous leaders in command, that we'll have people that will stand for moral values, that will stand against ungodly principles, that will stand against uh, uh, um, the killing of unborn babies, that will stand for righteousness and for holiness in the earth. And I'm telling you, God, God, God has appointed us as angels, but angels are released as we pray angels are released as we demonstrate loving kindness as we demonstrate brotherly loving kindness as we see in hebrews chapter 13 you can be assured that god is going to reveal reveal his angels and and what took place here in verse 2 of genesis 18 three men stood by him and at this time abram did not know that these were angels he just thought they were three strangers they were, they were nomads they, they were they were arabs that were just walking through coming through the desert and you know what abraham saw them and, and he had compassion and he and he ran he ran out to them to show loving kindness he ran out to them and invited them to his home that he could wash their feet that he could that he could feed them that he could show hospitality and he was showing brotherly love and without knowing it initially that he was entertaining angels unawares isn't that awesome? I mean, he was, although he was in excruciating pain, he was overjoyed to see strangers and he ran to greet them. He offered them hospitality and prepared a lavish meal for them. Isn't that incredible uh, on the way that Abraham demonstrated loving kindness? You know, we live in a, we live in a day where this is such a strange thing. But you know what? My prayer is that we are going to return to showing acts of loving kindness, that we are going to show kindness to one another. And, and, and by so doing, we are going to entertain angels unawares. And I'm just so excited to share this word with you. I'm so thrilled just to share the scriptures with you because I know God's going to speak to you. God's going to reveal himself to you. God's going to send angels disguised as men to you. Amen. And right during... 
in verse 1, Genesis 18, verse 1, Abram is having a divine encounter with God. He's having tremendous fellowship with God. And God has appeared to him in verse 1. But in verse 2, we see three strangers walking by. And Abram sees the opportunity. He seizes the moment to show loving kindness. And, and he leaves that place in God's divine presence and rushes toward three wayfarers and offered them hospitality. But you know who these three men were? These three men that appeared were angels. They were angels that, that, that were disguised as men. They, they, were, they were angels disguised as men. And the, one of the angels came to bring good news of Isaac's birth to Sarah. And according to the rabbis, this, the angel's name is Michael. The archangel Michael was one of these three angels. And the name Michael means who is like God. And he came to bring the news, the tidings to Sarah of Isaac's birth. Can you imagine be, uh, being a woman, uh, 89 years old? Abraham is probably around 99 at this time. And they receive the prophetic word that they're going to have a son. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. I mean, Sarah is way past the, the age of where she can actually even conceive. And, and at this age, God appears to them and tells them that they're going to have a son. The second angel is, is the angel Gabriel, the archangel, uh, the archangel Gabriel. His name means might of God. And, and he was the one that was sent to bring destruction, destruction to Sodom. The third angel is the angel known as Raphael. And according to the rabbis, he was the one that was sent to bring healing to, 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 to Abraham. So that's according to the, to the rabbinic commentaries. And... I mean, it's just so, I mean, it was just so awesome in the way that God, uh, of God's divine providence and how God sent angels to minister to Abraham. And in verse 3 of Genesis 18, it reads, And said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in your sights, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servants. And, and, and you see, I mean, how... Abraham is showing such tremendous Middle Eastern hospitality and how he's urging them to come to his home. And, 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 he, and he just goes out of his way to take care of these strangers, not knowing initially that these were three angels that were sent from God. Now, let's go to verse 9. And I'm going to read this to you from... The, from the translation from Chabad.org. So the numbering may be a little bit different than our, uh, than our American Bibles. And I'll go ahead and begin reading this from verse 9. And they said to him, these are the angels, they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, behold, in the tent. And he said, I will surely return to you at this time next year and behold your wife sarah will have a son and sarah heard from the entrance of the tent and it was behind him now abraham and sarah were old coming on in years sarah had ceased to have the way of the women and sarah laughed within herself saying after i have become worn out will i have smooth flesh and also my master is old and the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh saying, is it, true, is it really true that I will give birth although I am old? 
is anything hidden from the Lord at the appointed time? And can you, can you say that with me? At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah denied saying, I did not laugh because she was afraid. And he said, no, but you laughed. So I want you to see something here. I mean, can you imagine what Sarah is experiencing? You know, we often judge Sarah as, as a woman that did not have faith. But if that's, our, if, if that's our conclusion, we're missing out on what the Lord is saying. And what I really believe the Lord is saying to all of us is God, God is going to meet us when we've hit our limit, when we hit our wit's end. And, and Sarah, I mean, Sarah, could, I, I'm sure, she, I mean, she was so shocked that she received a prophetic word that she's going to have children. It was absolutely shocking, absolutely shocking that, that, that God would say that to her. And so, and she, she, she did not laugh out loud. She just mused in herself. She just laughed to herself. And the, 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 and the angel says to her, why does Sarah laugh? Is it really true that I'm, I will give birth although I'm old? And Sarah, who was afraid, said that, that she did not laugh. And the, and the, and the Lord said to her, you, you did laugh. So it's just so awesome how God deals with us because God's going God's gonna to do stuff to you when you least expect it. God's going to reveal himself to you in, in the most shocking ways. And he's going to bless you. He's, gonna, he's so going to bless you. He so wants to reveal himself to you. He so wants to reveal his presence to you. And I encourage all of you to be open to what the spirit of God wants to do with each and every one of you. Because he, he, I'm, I'm telling you, saints of God, he's a God of blessings. He's a God that's going to shock you. And he's going to do things that you never imagined. See, we all have plans for our lives. We've all done certain things, certain education. We've done things in certain ways. And we think we're in control. But you know what? We're not in control. We are not in control. God is in control. And it's so awesome when God takes over and God does things the way he chooses to do. Because Isaac was the chosen heir of, of the Abrahamic covenant. Isaac was the chosen one that was to carry on the Abrahamic covenant, which would go through to, to Jacob and the 12 tribes of Israel and, and through all future generations of Israel. And, and Sarah laughed. I mean, can you imagine what Sarah is experiencing? And in the scripture here, it says that she was coming in two days. You know, in verse 11, it says, now Abraham and Sarah were old coming on in years. And it also, it says in another translation, it says that she was coming into days. And that does not mean that they were really, really old people. It describes that each, each one lived every day of their lives to the fullness. That means they serve God fully every single day. It doesn't mean when it says, even when we read in the next week, Parsha, we're not reading with the fullness of years. We're not speaking about being old and, and ready to die. It means that every day is lived to its fullest. That every day we infuse every day with, with holiness, and, and we allow Bayera, we allow God to appear to us every single day of our, every single day of our lives, amen, and that's exactly the way Abraham and Sarah lived their lives, in fact, Sarah was busy um, sharing God's word and, and, and converting the women, and Abraham did the same for, for the men, and they did not let a single day of their lives 
passed by uneventfully. They, they immerse themselves totally in their days. They totally immerse themselves in God's will. They serve God to, to the best of their abilities and every single day was filled with holiness. Now, one thing I want you to note here that what the angels did here, look at the conversation here that we read in Genesis 18. And the angels knew where Sarah was. I mean, but they asked the question, where, where they asked about the whereabouts of Sarah. And the reason why they brought her out, the reason why the Lord was calling out Sarah was they were drawing attention to Sarah's fine character traits, her modesty, and the way that she loved her husband and all the qualities that she had. See, many of us don't know this, but Sarah was incredibly prophetic. She was considered one of the, she was, she is considered the first of seven prophetesses in the Hebrew scriptures, in the Tanakh, in the books from Genesis through Malachi. I mean, she was a woman of tremendous character, tremendous modesty, and she walked and served God in all of her ways. Even when Sarah gave Hagar to, to, to marry Abraham, uh, that, that, that was completely God's will. And, and, and when Sarah spoke to her husband, Abram, she was speaking with a voice of prophecy. She was incredibly pro prophetic. And the rabbis teach us that after Sarah died, the level of Abraham's prophecy diminished because Sarah was a woman with an incredible uh, uh, prophetic spirit. And she was so prophetic and she heard from God. And Sarah, as we just said, Sarah laughed to herself because she thought, I mean, how can this be? I mean, how can God is going to do something that's so impossible in the natural? And she smiles and she's skeptical. And, 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 and she knows God's going to do it, but it's just so shocking to hear. And again, God's going to do things with us that are so shocking that it's going to be hard for us to believe. And sometimes we're just going to laugh because we're seeing how God is doing things in our lives and how God is doing things even behind the scenes. And, and this laugh, this smile that Sarah spoke, that she revealed, the smile, this laughter, is something that has echoed through all future generations of Israel. I mean, how many peoples, how many nations have tried to exterminate the Jewish people? How Hitler attempted to exterminate Jewry throughout the world. No matter what they had, have done, no matter what they have tried, no matter what has taken place, that they have all failed because it was, it's through Sarah's laughter that the Jews will always recover. And no matter how they, much they diminish, they'll begin to increase again and again and again. And I, and I want you to know that no matter what you go through, no matter what calamity that you're going through, there are times that you're just gonna laugh because the Holy Spirit is gonna give you holy laughter and you can just laugh at the devil because God, God's gonna give you the victory, amen? So we can parallel our lives after Abraham and Sarah. You know, God gave Abraham 10 tests. The first test, as we shared about a week ago, Abraham's first test was to leave his land. The first three tests, the first test was to leave his land. In Genesis 12, 1, now the Lord had said to Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show you. See, within that ver verse one, we see the three tests. The first test is to leave his birthplace. Then God says to leave your father's house. That was the next test. That's a, and each test is more difficult than the previous test. But each test is a demonstration 
of Abraham's love for God. The third test was the famine in the land. And during the famine in the land, Abraham could have said, you know what? Lord, I obeyed you. I left my father's, I left my, I left my country. I left my kindred. I left my father's house. Those are the first three tests. And the next test, which is the, the, fourth, sorry, the fourth test, is a famine in the land. So Abraham goes to where God tells him to go. But when he gets to that place, there's a famine in the land. And, and, and it, the temptation could be, well, let me go back to my father's house because I had food in that land. I had food when I was home. But God is testing Abraham, and God is testing the love that Abraham, Abraham has for God. And in, in, in our lives as well, God's going to place tests before us, and the tests demonstrate and prove how much we love God. See, God doesn't need the test to show him that we love him. God knows what we're capable of. God knows what each and every one of us is capable of. But God will use these tests to develop the love that we have for him. Amen. And so it, whether you, you, leave your, you leave your country, you leave your kindred, you leave your father's house, even in, in famine and in financial, in financial difficulty, God will reveal himself. You know, even there you trust God. The next thing that happens is his wife is captured. The princess in Genesis 12, 15, the princess also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh and the woman was taken in the Pharaoh's house. Can you imagine this? I mean, Sarah, Sarai, the wife of Abraham, is captured, and she is taken into the harem of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And even in that, Abram has to trust fully in God, and Abram trusted that divine providence was taking care of him. And then the next, te the ne the next test of Abram was even more difficult because Abram had to fight to rescue Lot. And in Genesis 14, 12, and 14 read, and they took Lot. Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods, and departed. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. See, and that, that, that was a test for Abram. And then the, the, the next test we see is the vision of exile which is taken from Genesis 15, chapter, uh, chapter 15, verses 1, 2, 12, 13, and 14. And God revealed to Abram, this was considered one of his tests, and, the te and what God revealed to Abram, that his descendants would be in exile for 400 years. And verse 14 says, and also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward they will come out with great substance. So God even revealed to Abram the suffering of his future descendants. But even in that, Abram continued to serve God and, and to trust in him. And the next test was Abram's circumcision. And then the test after that was the expulsion of Hagar and, and, and Ishmael. And then the final test was the Akita, as we see in Genesis 22. And it came to pass after these things, that God did tempt Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and after him there, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell you of. 
This, I want you to imagine how excruciating and how difficult this test was. For example, when Abram and his wife Sarah were, were, converting, were converting people and they were winning souls wherever God sent them. And they were teaching monotheism, monotheism. They were teaching that there was one God. They were teaching about the one Lord God, Hashem. And, and, and the souls that they were converting came out of pagan religions where they sacrificed children. And here, Abraham is, is commanded by God to do something that seems very contrary to the nature of God. God tells him to offer his own son on an altar. And of course, we know that God doesn't require him to perform the sacrifice. God was testing Abraham's love for him because through every test, through test one through 10, and each test was more difficult than the previous test, God was enduring himself more and more to Abraham and, and Abraham was trusting in God fully. I mean, all these years where Sarah was, was barren, even before they left their father's house, Sarah was barren. And, and at, age one, at age 90, she gives birth to a son named Isaac. And, and they know the promises of God that through him, that the promises of God would come forth and the Abrahamic covenant would, would continue. And here it seems like God is returning Abraham back to a place of nothing, that he has no future, that he has no continuity. But even in this, Abraham trusts God fully. He wakes up early in the morning, saddles his donkey, and he performs God's commandment with, with tremendous zeal. And he obeys God. And Isaac at this time is 37 years old. And Isaac completely submitted to God's will in this as well. And this is an example of God the Father and God the Son. God the Father offered his own son. And right at the point where Abraham was about to slip the throat of Isaac, an angel calls out and tells him to stop. And he demonstrated the fullness of his love for God. And I want you to know that the test that you go through in life, through every test, is a test of our love for God. That, I mean, how do we give ourselves to God with reservation or do we offer ourselves to God without reservation? And Abraham completely dedicated every single aspect of his life to God. And at the very end of this test, God told Abraham not to sacrifice his son because God already had a plan. The heavenly father already had a plan that in the future, his own son, Jesus Christ, would be offered on the cross. As, as, as a sin sacrifice for all our sins. Amen. And Abraham passed all 10 tests with great distinction. And I'm telling you, through every test that you go through, there's going to be a greater revelation of God in your life. God wants to reveal himself to you. God wants to impart himself to you. God wants to reveal his presence to you. And even during these days of pandemic, every one of us is being tested. Every one of us is being tested in our faith. Everyone is being tested financially, spiritually, in, in our families, in the education of our kids and grandchildren. We're being tested to the limits. But I'm telling you, you're, you are being found faithful. And even during this time, there are many that have forsaken the gathering of the brethren. They, they have forsaken the fellowship and church. And even while many governments have even forbidden, forbidden public gatherings, they've forbidden us from worshiping him in, 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 in public places. And, and, and many have, have switched to only 
Facebook Live and other online platforms. But what I'm telling you is that's not gonna quench our faith. It's not gonna quench our zeal. It's not gonna quench us because we're gonna move forward and move forward in all the plans that God has for us. And even as Abraham passed all 10 tests with great distinction, you are gonna pass every test that God sets before you. And don't worry, even when you fail the test, God will give you another opportunity to retake the test. But I pray that each test is not gonna take you 40 years to pass. I pray that you'll pass the that you'll that you'll pass the test quickly. But the goal in each test is to see Jesus. Amen. Because the very place where Abraham placed his son and, and bound the wood to him was, was Mount Moriah. The very place in which the, the where the future temple was built in Jerusalem, both the first temple and the second temple were built in Jerusalem. And it's the very same area in which Christ Jesus was crucified. And our goal through every test is that is that Jesus may be found, that Jesus may be lifted up, that Jesus may be glorified. And Jeremiah 23, verse 24 says, can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord. Do, I, do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord. So we know that God is everywhere. God is omnipresence. There's no place where God cannot be found. But, that, but sometimes we need to put position ourselves in places that we can become more sensitive to, to, to God, more sensitive to his spirit, more sensitive. That may mean that you may need to leave your home very early in the morning and, and go to a place where you can be with God, where you can experience fellowship with him. In Matthew 28, verse 7, it says, And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. I, I mean, lo, I have told you. Yeah, that's Matthew 28, verse 7. See, sometimes you must go to a place where he tells you to go. And these are places where God's going to reveal himself to you. We see the same thing in Mark chapter 16, verse 7. Go to Galilee and he will reveal himself to you. See, God wants to reveal himself to you. And I encourage each and every one of you to find, the, find that place where you can experience his presence. Find that place of free from distraction where you can experience him and experience the depths of his holy presence. Look at what Zacchaeus does in Luke chapter 19, verse 4. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was too past that way. Look at the faith of Zacchaeus. Look at the faith of Zacchaeus. And I remember the songs I used to learn in, in Sunday school when I was part of the Salvation Army Church, uh, you know, when the song went something like uh, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. And, you know, and often we don't get past what we learn in Sunday school, but we, we need to go a little bit deeper to God's word and know that Zac even Zacchaeus, he, he, was, he had shortcomings. And every one of us has shortcomings. Every one of us has challenges. We have dispositions. But regardless of what your disposition, disposition is, what are you going to do to get into God's presence. Look at the woman with the issue of, of blood. I mean, how she pressed in to touch the hem of, of his garment. Because she thought to herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And guess what? She touched the hem of his garment and her faith made her whole. And what are you going to do to encounter God? What are you going to do to experience his holy presence? Because God wants to reveal himself to you. For some of you, it may mean that you just go into a, a place of solitude. 
So some it may mean that you that you leave your home at two, three, four in the morning to just go to a place in nature and just to be with them and allow him to speak to you. Some of you may go into a church chapel and, and just to be with him because God wants to reveal himself to you. And what takes place when you run to his presence? You become more like him. First John chapter three, verse two says, behold, now are we the sons of God. And it does, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. See, this scripture is not only a prophecy of the rapture, that when the rapture takes place and the church of Jesus is caught up into the sky to meet him, to, where the bride, which is the church, is caught up into the, into the sky to meet the bridegroom, who is Christ Jesus. And then at that very instant, we, 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 we put up our corruptible human bodies and put on incorruptible bodies. Yes, that's going to take place. But in addition, we need, every time that we are with him and every time we are in his presence, we are becoming more like him. And I pray that today you are, that you have become more like him than yesterday. And tomorrow you're going to be more like Jesus than you were yesterday. Because when we walk in God's glory, when we, when we walk in his presence, we are, we are becoming more and more like him because he is appearing. Amen. He is appearing by era and he appeared. And the final scripture I want to share with you before I pray for you all is from Revelation chapter one, verse seven. And it reads, behold, he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. So what we see here, we see the second coming of Jesus. Because before the second coming, we'll have the rapture. And that's where we are caught up into the sky to meet Jesus. And then the seven-year tribulation period will commence. And as I've taught you in my previous series on, on end times, halfway through that tribulation period is, is, begins the, the three-and-a-half-year period known as the Great Tribulation. And at the end of that tribulation period, Christ Jesus himself will return with all of us in, in clouds of great glory and, and usher in the millennial reign of Christ Jesus. Amen.